0: a dose of hope.com today's guest is Mike McCallowitz I'm so grateful to Mary Gall for seeing Mike's name on my dream 100 list and sending a cold email complimenting his book and mentioning that he she was on the show and that Mike was on my dream 100 list. Mike replied and said dream 100 is a lot of pressure but let's do it Mike McCallowitz is the entrepreneur behind three multi-million dollar companies and is the author of profit first Clockwork, The Pumpkin Plan, and his newest books, Fix This Next. Mike is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and regularly travels the globe as an entrepreneurial advocate. Mike Michalowicz and Robert talk about his mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. He is accomplishing that mission through teaching, but more importantly, through his books like Profit First and Clockwork, which is releasing an updated and revised version Mike shares his wisdom and some great tools to help entrepreneurs make decisions to be intentional with their business, specifically about how they spend their money and how they use their time. Today, I want to just talk about, obviously, Profit First and Clockwork, because I think both of those two books are just so um, intentional. I think intention in business is where you lead to success and being intentional about choosing to have profit and being intentional about how you use your time are just so foundational. So So those books are fantastic.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And I, and so I guess, I mean, like the idea of talking about the four week vacation right at the start and setting yourself up to have a four week vacation really requires that intentionality.
1: Yeah. Oh, it totally does. So, um, it's funny. I, I I've discovered that our business, I should say ourselves, we will take a four-year vacation or longer from our business at some point in our lives. It'll be thrust upon us. Like sickness happens or disruption to the business happens. We won't always be able to v- be available for the business always. So what we need to do is prepare the business for our absence. This concept of the 4 vacation came about in that I was studying businesses and noticed, probably your business, Robert, mine for sure, um, is that we move in these monthly cycles. You know, Every month we gotta acquire new clients and serve them, Maybe we lose some clients. We have to engage employees or work. Uh, we have all this administrative work to do. At the end of the month, we close out the month. And then we repeat the process again month in, month out. So my theory was that if we can leave the business for four consecutive weeks, we can leave the business into perpetuity. And now the business can run itself. That's the goal. And when you do this, the, the goal, the secondary goal is to take a vacation for ourselves. And as an owner, we deserve that. It's personal freedom. But the primary reason to do this is not so that we get a vacation, but so the business gets a vacation from us. It cool. has
0: to be built to run without us. So powerful. And the crazy thing is I learned this. We were missionaries. I served in in, in another country. And, you, and the whole entire goal of the work we were doing was to leave it. And and the the old mission model was missionaries would work for four years, and then they would take a year off. And in the beginning, I said, well, if I could take a year off, they don't need me. And then, of course, in the end, I recognized that was kind of the whole point. That's is the whole point, You're right, ended. right. And so we, we took every other summer away. And so we took two months. And so we had to set up the work we were doing so that we could be gone for, for two months. And the sad thing is I never transferred that into, into business until reading Clockwork and applying well, it to business.
1: Very human of you. I don't know if it's sad because it, it's very human. And uh, I'm happy you're doing it now. It's natural. I I think many business owners want and feel compelled to demonstrate their contribution to the business through their hustle and grind, through their effort, partly to prove it to ourselves. Like, I am devoted to this and look how hard I work. Secondarily, if we're building and have employees or contractors, we want to show them our ethic, our work ethic. And I think there's also this feeling that if we aren't available for the business, if we're not there, now the business owners may, uh, employees may resent us. I say, gosh, oh. you know, you go, you go on the beach and you're you're throwing back a, a mai tai, and I'm sitting here sweating like crazy trying to make money to pay you. But here's the reality: I, I've been taking four week vacations minimally from my business now for the last five years, Yay. and yeah, and I intend to for the rest of my life. And last year I took nine weeks. Here's what I discovered: is that my colleagues felt empowered in my absence. What, what I was doing demonstratively is when I leave the business saying to them, I entrust you with the business, step into it, lean into the best selves. Uh, one person here became president of the company because I was leaving the company and she demonstrated just through her approach and her efforts that she is the true leader here. It revealed itself. The interesting other component is ego. And I take my four vacations, I said, okay, my team is empowered, I'm showing them trust, but, but then there was no communication coming into me, no emails, no nothing. And I'm like, either the business has imploded, which is unlikely to happen so quickly, or uh, my colleagues are running this without me. And that's when that, like, that old classic TV show where that one tear comes down, that was me. I'm like, oh, they don't need me. I'm not needed. My big fat ego is like, reinsert yourself, be needed. So I started emailing in questions, asking for reports. When I came back from that vacation, I said, what didn't work? The number one thing they said was, Mike, you said you trusted us and then you demonstrated that you didn't. And that hurt, but it was the truth that I wasn't supporting them actually running the business on their own. And, um, so we've improved that we've rectified it. Other bumps and bruises do present themselves while you're away. My job now is to help fix them and bring more systemization about today. I can leave my business at any time planned for vacation or not. And the business has the structure to run on its own.
0: Oh, so powerful. So I love, some of the the mindset pieces that that you you had to wrestle with. Right. But the whole idea of I want to be needed, I want to, I want to have this control, but then I want to let go and I want to trust. And so there's, there's a lot going on in that. And obviously putting systems into place is really what creates that opportunity. And the piece that I like, so I tell my clients when I hire them that I'm taking eight weeks away. It's like there's coaching isn't available for at least eight weeks. And, and, And I want them to do the same in in their companies, and their businesses. And and I I assume that you want the same for for your employees. Like, Mike's going to take a four-week vacation. Guess what? I want everyone to build their systems and and build their role to to have that same opportunity.
1: That's a perfect assumption because that's what's happening. I do a little differently than you. I don't notify my clients that I'm leaving. Um, I don't want them to feel any absence. So unless there's a unique situation where I'm personally working with someone and my absence would be confusing, I just leave. I don't turn on the vacation notice, nothing. It's just gone. Because I believe that my email still needs to be responded to in my absence. Um, I write books. And so my question was, how do I write books when I'm not available to write books? And that's when I came up with this concept of derivative books. So for Profit First, for example, I now have six or seven authors who've written a variant, Profit First for Contractors, first for movie theaters and so forth. And those are authors. I was like, what about speaking? If I'm not around speaking and I'm away for four weeks, how do I do that? So I trained other people to do my speeches from their own angles and perspectives. Now, um, if there's demand for the type of work I do and I'm not personally available, there's still a way to deliver on that. And uh, that's, that's how I've scheduled my four vacations. I want my customers to experience no blip or no delay.
0: And I think that's what, you know, obviously the podcast run like clockwork, you know, has done is you're not the only host. You're not the only presence. It's not necessarily your voice. And, and of course in a coaching business, that's the only way to, to recreate it is to, to have other coaches working in the same, in the same direction with the same principles. That's correct.
1: Yeah. So with clockwork itself, I've, Tried to and will continue to. You know, clockwork is a living, breathing process. It's not like you've mastered and it's fixed or done. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> it, it, you're constantly tweaking and improving. Um, but we can make significant progress in clockwork and trying to clockwork the service component. What I found is maybe 80 or 90% of readers, maybe even more, maybe 95% of readers read a book and they want the full solution. That's my intention. But a percentage want to make sure they're doing it right and want the guidance. So 5% or so of the folks say, who can teach me this? <clears throat> so that's why we started a service division. But I'm like, it can't be me. If I'm the one teaching and doing it, it's the opposite of clockwork. So uh, I've teamed with a partner who runs it. Um, but all of the marketing materials, all the content, um, it's produced in a way that I don't need to be available. And the parts I do make are evergreen. So uh, yeah, so even the podcast, even though I'm a co-host on the podcast, I record maybe twice a year for that in batch my components and it's hosted by someone else and there's guests and it's all filled out and we have a weekly podcast that only has a a fraction of my effort required on a very loose basis you know once or twice a year
0: oh love it and and definitely applying clockwork again to to my business and and i think the challenge that i that i faced in the in the beginning is the solopreneur and and how do i transition out of that and now my wife is on board, and my daughter's on board, and so I have other people on board, nice. and 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 I need to make sure that that they understand clockwork, and that we're all integrating that as a team, and so very excited. So I love love the intentionality. Love you. You mentioned a great Jesse Cole, and and his intentionality, and, and fans first. First of yeah. all, I just got to say I love that you threw out a roll of toilet paper at a Savannah Bananas game. I think that's like the coolest thing. It was the coolest it, day of my life in the sporting world ever. Yeah, I I can't I can't even imagine. And and I'm just a LinkedIn fan follower. I'm 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 a little ways away from Georgia to get there yet, but it's definitely on the bucket list. Cause go there, yeah. What a what a fantastic thing he's created, and of course now he wrote his book to to share the fans' first experience. Yes. He, and I just love how much they they just wrestle with ways to put fans first and and keep the entertainment as the most important piece. Um, and that's that's, that's so the key important. to
1: clockworking. That piece, that most,
0: that big so, purpose.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what is the what's the promise you're delivering? Like, what are you known for? And I think all of our businesses we need to figure out what's the one thing we want to be known for. And and I'm underlining the word one, like. You know, you can say that I, I provide great quality service and I'm always timely and we're the best rate and, and, and those are all ants. I need to know of all those things, what's the one thing you want to be the most known for? I'll give it myself as an example. Um, I want to be known for simplifying entrepreneurship. That's my promise. When someone has an experience with me, they're going to find that the entrepreneurial journey has been simplified. Jesse is fun family entertainment. When you have an experience with him, it's a fun family entertain, entertainment, entertainment. Then we have to ask of all the activities we do, what most assures that promise gets delivered on. So for me, I'm a, i do speaking. I do, we're doing an interview now. I, um, I write books, of all those things. The most important is my books. Like if, if I do a bad interview, yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. Or if my speeches suck, yeah, I might get hired to speak again. But if I keep on putting my best effort into the books and they're the best books mm-hmm. out there, then my mission will continue forward. But if all of a sudden I start writing these crappy books, uh, I can be a great razzmatazz speaker that's delivering fluff and it will all fade out. For Jesse, his QBR, the most important activity in his business is the creation, the, simply this ideation process of new ideas, new fun things to do for every single game. When I went down there throughout the opening pitch of toilet paper, um, that was an idea that sprung on me right before I got out there. He's like, you're throwing out the opening pitch in front of 5,000 people. I was like, this is awesome. He <laughs> said, here's your, here's your ball. And it was one ply TP. He's like, this is something we brainstormed about. And and our team said to do it. Every Thursday, I don't know if it's changed now, but every Thursday, they spend hours just coming up with ideas. And the results speak for themselves. People love going. They've sold out every single game since they started the organization. I think it's now six consecutive years. They sold out during the COVID pandemic. And they get more notoriety, more exposure on ESPN and all these different things than any other team in the minors, any other team uh, in the AAAs. And they're getting more exposure than many major league teams, and they're more profitable on a percentage basis than anyone else because they nail the one thing that matters most: create new fun ideas constantly.
0: And and the biggest thing for me is that they're having fun doing it, and they love it. (laughs) For me, that's that's like the most important, and and I've come to recognize that as a part of 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 clockwork and that I'm not just an entrepreneur coach. You know, people talked about my smile everywhere I go, every networking event. Man, you're always smiling. Man, you're always smiling. And, and the truth about what I bring to to my clients is different than everybody else is that I want my clients to experience joy. And so my goal is helping people discover that they can have joy in their life and build their business to support it.
1: <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think it's less about the vehicle we're driving as opposed to the way we're driving it. You know, I think you can be in any industry and get joy out of it as long as you know the source of your joy. Like someone's like, you know, to- I mentioned toilet paper. Who could be who could be joyful about being making toilet paper? Maybe someone cares about environmental responsibility and that gives them joy and satisfaction. They can be the toilet paper company that does that. Um, you know, we get a pick of how we use our business as a platform of self-expression. But damn it, you got to express yourself naturally and truthfully through your platform. And when you do that, You'll be successful. There'll be a community that says, "I want, I want the smiling guy. He gets so much fun out of this. That's the kind of coach I want." There's another community that says, "I want the drill sergeant that's in my face, face to face." And if that person gets joy out of approaching it that way, it's gonna be a very successful
0: business. And, and absolutely, there's room for both. And yeah, and there's room for both. You know, I I I thought about the toilet paper analogy, and of course, your book, "The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur," and I said, "Man, he should have done a revised and expanded edition of the Toilet Paper Entrepreneur after COVID." Because that just seemed like the obvious <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. opportunity. <laughs> Instead of version two, I should have put like second ply or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> second ply. That's actually pretty good. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner. Move from tired and overwhelmed to free and empowered by Noelle L. Peterson. Available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R 2.0 dream.com that's empower number 2 dream.com if you enjoy the show please like and subscribe leave a review tell your friends welcome back let's get back to more greatness <laughs> so obviously the, the knowing a big purpose knowing your big promise and then and then now like the challenge you, you faced and we kind of addressed it that that queen bee role right the most yeah. important person and as the entrepreneur as the writer as the namesake of your books and things, it feels like you know. Well, Mike McCallowitz is the Queen bee.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. With- and, and you know, so and we got to be careful about that analogy. I actually mentioned it in the new book because Queen B seems like a singular person, but it's a singular role. That's why there's an R at the end. What singular function in your business is most important? And in, in many small businesses, the small business owner is satisfying that. Mine, I've now built a, a structure behind it where I'm not the only person serving the QBR, but there's others. So kind of a quick recap, because I skimmed it so quick. The, the purpose I call it the Big Bang is what are you set out to do that gives you joy? We talked about that, but for me, it's to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Um, and there's a whole reason why, but I don't want entrepreneurs to struggle, because I struggled and I want to fix this for myself. The promise then is how we deliver that. And I say, we simplify entrepreneurship. So we eradicate entrepreneurial poverty by simplifying entrepreneurship through and then this is the method. this is the QBR. Of all the activities what's the most important for me it's writing books um hopefully extraordinary books that uh simplify entrepreneurship i'll give another example fedex because that's a big corporation you know i think they do 50 billion plus annual revenue their promise uh to their customers is delivering packages on time and they have all these things they got print shops they bought kinko's a long time ago they they have a customer service department they have logistics of all the activities they're all important but which one's the most important but we simply look at the promise. Does you know, print shops promise uh, to deliver packages on time? Probably not. Maybe they receive some packages there, but that's not the big thing. Customer service, does that deliver packages on time? No, I mean, it's nice to talk to customers. The thing that does it is logistics. If you know where the packages are, you can get there on time. And it's, the point is this. If, if FedEx today says, you know what? Screw logistics, they don't matter. Screw the QBR. What we're going to do is we're going to double down on customer service. We're going to put everyone in the customer service department. The headlines in the newspaper a week from now will be, uh, customer, you know, FedEx does not know where a single package is, everything lost, but they're super friendly about it through customer service. <laughs> you know They'll go out of business. But here, The interesting thing to me, to me is when you flip the script, if FedEx says, we're going to move people out of customer service, we're going to close that and put everyone in logistics. Now the headline next week says, uh, FedEx, uh, every package delivered on time, but they're not answering the phones. Who cares? Right. It may, it may be a little sting, but it's not going to put them out of business. In the first scenario where they, they ditch the QBR, they're out of business. A multi billion dollar company is done within one week because it's not doing the activity that delivers on the promise. We, as small business owners, have to say what's the promise we're making to our customers of all the activities we do, which one most assures that's being delivered? It has to go uninterrupted. Now, it doesn't need to be us, there can be others serving this, uh, and it can be multiple people serving it. But that activity, that role can never go unabated.
0: Well, and that recognizing that role and, and being able to is what takes you to that next level where you integrate into, into your business and, and you create, basically you find out what is everybody else like now my wife and my daughter are part of my team. How are they protecting and serving that, that queen bee role? How are they there? How does their job, you know? What, what is the efforts that they're putting into the business? How is that serving? Yeah, it that, contributes to it. Rather than distracting from it. That's right. Well, well one of their jobs
1: too is see something, say something. <laughs> if, if Robert isn't getting the work done, that, that the core to our business, if we think that the one-on-one coaching, for example, is our QBR and Robert's got to be doing invoicing, hold on, that's a red flag. What we got to do is get Robert off of invoicing so he's availed and free to do his core work. This came out of... Um, studies around terrorism. And you've probably seen those posters. It says, see something, say something when you travel. That concept came around in the 70s, but they only started emphasizing it in public notifications really in the last decade or so. What's interesting is in the last decade or so, terrorism attacks have dropped uh, uh, at an exponential rate because there's been more forewarning because of people like me and you. We see something, we say something. We are not I don't know if you are, but I'm not part of the military or terrorist response uh, force. I'm not in that, but I've been told what the QBR is for national security. And it's simply, we kind of prevent terrorism. And the way I can participate is if I see something peculiar, I got to report it. And I participate and you participate too. I'm sure next time you see that sign, you kind of do a double take around, everything's clear or not. And it's worked. So our employees, if they don't serve the QBR, they better know what it is and how they can simply Raise the the flag when there's an issue.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and I like you you use four D's and I'm used to the the D's, right? Thinking about in yourself with your time. And and you actually have four Ts that think more about personal time, but you know, as the business leader, as the as as each role, are you doing, are you deciding? Are you delegating? And I really love the last one. Are you designing? Yeah. And 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 if I'm so busy doing and, and deciding, making all the decisions and doing all the work. Then I'm not designing. Correct. And 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 really my role has to has to keep shifting towards that designing role. And I I I just really love love that creativity side, love helping entrepreneurs get to that creativity side because they spend so much time working, just doing the work, doing their business, and they forget about the the designing and finding the joy in in creating, right? The creation part is is so important.
1: Could you imagine if uh group of guys were just making square wheels, the first wheel ever and are chipping away and no one sat back and said, Hey, I got an idea. Maybe we should make it round, right? Like it was the thought of the round wheel. That's perhaps the one of the greatest inventions of all time. And it's the thought your next thought that may be the greatest invention for your business of all time. But if you're busy chipping away square wheels, you'll just keep on doing that. And you'll never avail the time to think here's the trap. Most of us say, but doing is idle time. I'm sorry, thinking is idle time. Design, and it's not. In fact, scientifically, there's a much greater caloric burn in thought. So if you're ever like kind of crunching numbers and stuff and you feel tired and drained, that's because you're burning way more calories than chipping away and just doing this process of checking email again or doing whatever other activities you are. So the design work is actually harder. So we are biologically wired to avoid the harder work and then we justify it by saying it's not important work at all, but it's the most important. So we should block time out um, every week, maybe, if, maybe 15, 20 minutes in the beginning until you get more into it. And then a few hours. I spend at least three, four hours a week just thinking about the business strategically, deliberately, allocating time to that. And um, the other thing here too is my employees to see me sitting back kind of you know, playing with my hair uh, or, or, or just kind of thought bubbles popping around they're going to think I'm not productive. And that's not the reality. You, you can say, I'm, I'm about to do some of the hardest work. I'm going to come back with uh, thought. And then you can even, if you feel so compelled, you can show them the thoughts you wrote down and recorded. And then you can have brainstorm sessions around it. You can get them engaged. We, uh, I think every week about the business. And then once a quarter, we have a big brainstorm dump where I bring all my thoughts, the team uh, brings some of their thoughts they've had, and then we start playing with it. And we, we Alec, we've determined that the majority, if not all of our revenue is coming through new innovative thoughts. We're, we're trying to stop making square wheels. Anything we create has a lifespan until the next thing needs to be invented. And
0: uh, that's what we're doing. Well, man, it's, I mean, obviously, even Henry Ford recognized that thinking is the hardest work and that's why so few do it. Yeah. And and. It, in our bodies, we're naturally inclined to stick in that comfort zone, which requires no thinking, yeah. right? We just ruminate on old thoughts instead of creating new ones, and 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 then that idea of what other people think, right? If they see me sitting in my desk and I'm, you know, I'm not doing any work, I'm not doing, then then we're being judged, and so being able to let go of that expectation of what other people think, to allow yourself to think.
1: Yeah, 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 and and sometimes it's just communication, right? It's just saying. I'm going to tell you. You'll see me sitting down and just typing around and writing thoughts and scratching my brow. The reason is, is I'm trying to move our business to the next level, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing. I thought about that. Just by explaining what you're doing can acquiesce that sensation that people are judging us and that we're not productive.
0: Hmm. And then I love the
1: fifth D, so important downtime.
0: That, yeah, let's. So let's talk about you know interjecting the fun and the play and 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 turning work off.
1: So we have. Um, a organization called Run Like Clockwork. It's the service model behind the book. We've now surpassed 1,000 clients going through it. And the feedback was, oh, these four Ds are very helpful. We wanna move away as owners from doing, elevate to designing. um, And then we realized, oh, there needs to be a deliberate uh, fourth or fifth component, which is downtime. Downtime is a deliberate break from the business. A, to recharge our batteries. And um, B, because it actually serves the business. I'll start with the A. Uh, there was a study that came out of England identified in the knowledge worker space, at least, that the average worker, regardless of the hours they work per day, is productive only 3.2 hours. So you can work an eight-hour day or a ten or a five, and you're producing at 3.2 because we need to recharge. You can't sprint an entire marathon. You can you can go in spurts, but then you got to stop, breathe, re- rehydrate, and go again what we've done here at our own office is we've reduced people's hours. We have a lot of part-time workers, not, not cutting their hours, but invited people on board who didn't want to work full days. And there's a lot of people that don't want full days, but we still give them eight hours of work. And sure enough, they get done in four hours or five hours. So they're taking their break times on their own accord. That's part of it. The other part of this downtime is that we intentionally cause disruptions to the business to strengthen the business. Mm. I I take a four-week vacation for my business every year and um, for the last five years. What happens is when I leave the business for this extended period, now my colleagues have to step up and be elevated to back me up. We, two years ago, uh, implemented that every employee takes a paid four-week vacation, which is a great benefit and, and our team members love it, but the greater benefit, selfishly, is the organization.
0: Mm-hmm. Jeremy,
1: one of our colleagues here, he just started his four-week vacation Well, he had to train up Jenna and Izzy as his backups. They can do all his work. And uh, Izzy, another employee here, she just finished her fortification. She has Kelsey and Edwin uh, backed up. So everyone is backing up everyone else, which means that should any person leave at a certain point, and that may happen, should anyone get sick or something happen, that we have the structure in there to cover it. It's like the fire drills from grade school. The reason there was fire drills is because one day there may be a fire. And we better not try to figure it out then. One day you will take a four-week vacation from your business or longer because of illness or, or something that you need to address, or one of your employees will depart. This is a way to build that redundancy in before the inevitable happens.
0: Well, and then how much does the, the evaluation of a person's time with your four Ts help in that collaboration between you know, two or three other people evaluating the same workload?
1: Yeah, great question. So the four T's, it uh, stands for, I uh, gotta make sure they are doing it in order, trash, uh, trim, uh, trash, transfer, trim, and then treasure. These are the different kinds of works we do and, and how we should handle them. The treasure, the last T is the most important. There's certain work that we as individuals love to do. I love being a spokesperson for the business. This is a joy. Thank you for letting me do this, Robert. I love writing books. I don't love you know, cleaning the toilets and writing invoices. But my presumption was that means no one does. And that's not true. We have someone here who loves cleaning the office. Uh, it's Amy. And she loves doing it because she says she has a lot of stuff going on at home. She's always busy there. She likes kind of doing what she calls mindless tasks. And she gets joy out of it. She likes seeing the end product and gets on with her day. So that's one of the jobs that Amy has. Aaron here does our invoicing and loves the work. She likes getting into the details uh, and loves managing cash flow. So we can optimize our business by giving people the work they enjoy, that, that gives them joy. The other element, though, is uh, they have to call capture their work. So when Erin's doing invoicing, we don't want her to build territorialism where she has this concept and she develops it and she's serving it. No one else knows how to do it. We want to make sure that should Erin move on to other opportunities in the future, that that knowledge doesn't leave with her. So we have people record it. She, in this case, a screen capture, she records the process she does and saves it. And then when she takes her four-week vacation, someone else... Jenna has to back her up and do the process. And now we know that we have this redundancy, but we've also, when someone leaves the company, the knowledge isn't walking outside the door.
0: Yeah. So we've transferred it and, and created the opportunity, but That's we've right. also prevented silos. We prevent right. somebody from having a silo and, and, and a secret, but, but it's also a safe space, which I think creating a safe space where look, Aaron, if you pass this on and you share it, we actually benefit rather than, oh, we're going to, you know, cut you loose. Cause now we don't need you anymore.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Oh, so important. All right, Mike. We're getting down to the down to the end, and one of my previous guests is a super fan, and and just just loves your stuff. So her, her, I asked her what question would you want to ask her. First one was, "How the hell do you write so many books?" <laughs> and her second one is is what books are you reading? Because she wants to read those too.
1: Oh yeah, I, I read about a book a week. I just finished Verbal Judo. Uh, I just finished. Um, Next year younger, so as a health-oriented book. Verbal judo was kind of like split the difference, which I read before that negotiation. And I just started House of Mandavi. I'm about halfway through the book. It's the story of Robert Mandavi and the Mandavi family, the winemakers in Napa. And it's the history of three generations and the conflict that ensued. Great business insights, fascinating story. And yeah, drink some wine from Mandavi at the end just to celebrate, so that's a bonus.
0: Seems appropriate.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, the, how I write so many books is I write multiple books at once. So it takes me about five years to write a book, yet I produce a book every 18 months to two years. And the reason is that level is I'm writing multiple books simultaneously. So I just, I've clockwork revised and expanded. I just finished uh, for publication. It's gonna come out in August. Um, but I've also been working on a new book about employee engagement called All In. Um, that's halfway through. And I have another book on selling that I'm about 20% in. So I'm working on parallel in these different books, spending four hours a day, and uh, they keep moving at this pace.
0: Yeah, well, four hours a day gives you quite a bit of- You're, uh, Yeah, status.
1: it's unbelievable how much you can produce if you just keep chipping away every single day.
0: Absolutely. All right, Mike, you sat with, per, with a young entrepreneur and, and you want to leave him with- Mike's words of wisdom, what would you share?
1: Well, uh, start today. In regards to what you're doing, start today. I think we have a propensity to overthink what we want to do and plan. And listen, things move so quickly in the entrepreneurial space um, that every day you wait is a disadvantage. But it's interesting that also the lack of experience can be your greatest asset. When you enter any industry, any business, and you don't know how the industry operates, you challenge the industry norms. And that's usually where the winning businesses come from.
0: Oh, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time today, sharing so much wisdom, love clockwork, love profit first, encourage everybody that's an entrepreneur or even thinking about their own life to uh, read both of those books for sure. And it sounds like All In will be amazing as well. And so just thank you for putting your wisdom out into the world.
1: It's been a joy, Robert. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's ADDValueMindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Jeremy Williams and I discuss how personal and business development is simple, but not easy. He shares the principle he teaches in his new book, Survive, Scale, and Soar, building the life and business you deserve. Jeremy coaches us to deal with those limiting beliefs that hold us back.